Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. Hey, I was coming across one of my news in one of my newsletters recently where uh, it was uh, the anniversary of Colin Powell's death. He died in 2021, and it seems like it was just yesterday. In a lot of ways, it seems like he's still here. But he's uh, said a lot of important things along the way. But one that he mentioned was this. Always do your best. Even when no one else is looking, you should always be doing your best. Don't disappoint yourself. I just think that's good words to live by, by Colin Powell. I worked in the media industry for most of my career. Uh, if you're a regular listener on Coach, you know that. I've seen some, I've seen some, uh, had the opportunity to do, have some good success along the way that enabled me to retire young and ultimately to come in here and start doing uh, Coach you after about f- almost four, five years of retirement. I was thinking recently about the people that I came in contact with while in my career and, it's, and think, thinking about the people that I've had the opportunity to talk to here on Coastview, over 700 conversations over nearly three years. And uh, they all share some very similar traits. So this past Monday, I was having a conversation with Cuz Strickland from Mossy Oaks. People in the outdoor community know Mossy Oaks, and they especially know Cuz Strickland from his outdoor shows. But but Cuz joined me on Super Talk Outdoors on the Super Talk Mississippi Radio Network, and we talked about specifically, actually, these common traits that we both see in people who have extraordinary success, in his case, that he's seen in the outdoor industry. And uh, I decided to kind of write down my thoughts and begin to sort of crystallize them a bit. And, uh, you know, I'll be sharing components of this in, in future shows, but I, but I called it to, to win. And what I, what I came to understand is that uh, among the more successful people that I have had the opportunity to get to know who have achieved really extraordinary success in their lives, they always operate from the point of view of success is, is the only option. Uh, that that's what usually inspires most of us about them. Uh, they reek this focus. Uh, here's uh, here's the advice that they would probably give you if they were if they were working with you to to give you, um, you know the the the. Hang on one second, Cal. We might have lost Cal. Cal, are you there? Okay. <clears throat> I didn't want to have to start over again. So. Um. We'll start with, here's the advice they'd probably give you, okay? And you can just edit that right there. You ready? Okay, here we go. Here's the advice that they'd probably give you. You have to go all in. You have to be willing, as I call it, to blow up the mothership, which is to say there can't be a fallback plan. Fallback plans are usually for people who are not committed. They're usually for people who, um, who you know, expect to lose maybe. <laughs> You must be driven forward by the reality that there's, there's not a mothership. And there's only the concrete clarity that, that comes from the goal that is in front of you. That's all that matters. Again, there's no other place to land. You must be willing to put yourself in a position that leaning forward with goals uh, are what drives you. But you're also, you, and you have to learn to live with this, that you're also full of uncertainty and fear and doubt. It's a place where ambiguity is both your friend and your enemy. 
it's a place where you're forced to make sense of it all because there, with that ambiguity means you've got to you've got to make make it as clear as possible in the moment. It's this extreme focus that, of doing that that ultimately gives you hope. Uh, it's a 24-hour, seven-day place. The goal in front of you is driving you, it's pushing you. All of your experience and your passion and your energy and your skills and your drive and your connections, your relationships, your money, and your future, everything is on the line. Uh, you're, you know, Think of yourself as a 12-cylinder engine hitting all, all 12 cylinders. It's almost, when you get in that zone, it's a near emotionless drive. There's an extreme discipline. The fact that that what is in front of you is hard, is really hard, it doesn't seem to matter because that focus helps you overcome fear. Successful people also define perseverance. I, I think of successful people who have overcome disabilities, especially uh, as defining perseverance. I think of Andrea Pacelli. He's my favorite tenor. I can just hear that beautiful voice as I'm speaking now. He's, a, he's not just a musician, he's a writer. He's also a musical uh, producer. Uh, he has uh, he has sold more than 80 million records, and he's been blind since he was 12. He was endowed uh, early in his life with the r- real spirit of what is what he referred to as innate uh, improvement. Early in his life, he decided to focus entirely on music. He also studied law along the way, which I always found incredible. He defined perseverance. I think of Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 1991. He was only 29 years old. I didn't realize it until I looked back and and studied that. But it didn't stop him from acting, and he also started a foundation. His foundation has now raised over a billion dollars for Parkinson's uh, disease research. Um, And now that the disease is in the the advanced stages, Michael J. J. Fox does not stop. He continues to maintain a spirit of improvement, and he continues to define perseverance. There are so many examples of successful people here in coastal Mississippi who have overcome the odds. Here in coastal Mississippi, one in particular that I've watched for many years is a community leader that has not only defined defy the odds, but she has defined perseverance. Her story is incredibly inspiring. I want to welcome to Coastview my friend Jeannie Lucky. And uh, Jeannie, I really look forward to telling your story. How you doing this morning? I'm good, Ricky. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And I, you know, I hope I have a story to tell. <laughs> you you have an amazing story to tell. Listen, we'll start with this because we're, we're gonna we're gonna have a little small talk in the beginning to kind of break the ice, and then we're gonna we're gonna start we're gonna take a big step back and and tell your story. But I'm, I'm just curious if someone were to just ask you what drives you to be so involved in building a better Mississippi. What is it? What is it that drives you? I, you know, I, I grew up here, and um, I love. I love South Mississippi in particular. Um, I just, I, just to make to leave a better footprint than there was when I came is what drives me. It's it's nothing uh, really deep or special. It's just I want to leave things better than what I found them, and I think um, that could be a goal that everybody just looked at. If you just leave things a little better than you found them, it'd make a huge difference in this world. Well, you, you heard how I started the show, um, those successful qualities, or those qualities of successful people and, and what perseverance is all, all about. But what did you think about as I was, as I was telling that sort of opening, uh, you know, using those opening words? Well, first of all, I find it 
Um, I've always found it kind of odd. Michael J. Fox and I have the exact same birthday, same year, everything. So we're we're the same age. So, um, you know, he really is an amazing example of perseverance, you know, just just how he has done. And, I, you know, I can't even compare my my disability probably to his. Um, you know, I always thought about it this way. Uh, even after my car wreck, I, I realized that every day I would get a little better. And I was so thankful that every day that I live, I get a little better instead of, a, you know, go downhill, I go uphill. And um, so I just kind of look at it like that. Every day I get out of bed and I do what I need to do. And, and I, I'm a little better than I was the day before. And so that's, um, that's kind of just my goal. Just be a little better than I was the day before. Well, I mentioned at the beginning, uh, before we actually started the show, that uh, in looking back on your life, I was reminded that Hurricane Katrina hits, you lose your house, three days later you have your wreck, and it changed your life forever. And I can't imagine, with all this adversity we were all facing, for you to have faced that at that time, such a life-changing, you know, Katrina by itself was a life-changing moment for just about everyone in coastal Mississippi. And then for that to happen to you, what a defining moment. But again, how inspiring it has been to watch you defy the odds and say, you know, look, all you have to have, as you and I were discussing before the show started, is a great mind and a soul and a spirit to contribute. And uh, and that's 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 what you need. And you've you've proven that over and over again, haven't you? Well, I've, I've done my best. Um, you know, and uh, I thank I thank the Lord every day that I, I do have my mind. Well, I think I have it. You know, I've had two children, so I'm not I'm not sure <laughs> I've got it all. But uh, but I have most of my mind, and I do have my I have a I have a spirit. I've had a lot of people around me that really encouraged me. Um, it, it was not as easy at first as as it might seem to be. Um, the first couple of months were pretty rough, but I was really blessed. I have a great family. My my children had no sympathy for me. They said, Mom, just get up and do what you got to do. Um, I have a wonderful assistant that's been with me for 17 years, and she did the same thing. And I, I guess I didn't have anybody to really feel sorry for me, so I didn't have much choice. Yeah, it's interesting. When you study Michael J. Fox's story, I didn't realize this, but when he was diagnosed with Parkinson, he had a period in his life where he was uh, was very depressed and, and even, even became an alcoholic at one point. And he had to sort of get past all of that in order to begin to look forward. And, uh, you know, it's a, I guess it's just kind of part of, you know, understanding the reality of the situation. But when we come back, we're going we're gonna to take a step back and talk a little bit about where Jeannie came from and where her inspiration, the values that she possesses today about giving back to the community, where all that came from. We'll see you after this break. Live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. 
This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Jeannie Lucky with us, and I really enjoyed the first segment as we sort of laid the groundwork for what is really a great story of not only perseverance and defying the odds, but but really about giving back to the community. If you look at Jeannie's uh, you know background. Obviously, she's been incredibly involved in the Republican Party, and we'll get to that here in just a second, but held a number of, of uh, leadership roles, both locally in the state and, of course, in the nation. Uh, but she's given back in so many other ways, uh, her, her involvement in the uh, college board and uh, other organizations have led her to to being recognized by by many organizations throughout her life. So we'll we'll get into some of that as we as we tell her story. But Jeannie, tell me, you know, where were you born? And tell me a little bit about your early life. Well, I was actually born in a little place uh, about twenty minutes from Starkville, named Louisville. Um, my dad was in the military, and my mother was there with her parents, and that's when I decided to make my debut into the world. And uh, But we shortly thereafter moved to Biloxi. And so I grew up in Biloxi and um, went to Biloxi Public Schools and graduated from there and then went on to Ole Miss. So, um, you know, two, you know, a, a nice, a good family and um, that, you know, was a family and had great parents and they, they you know, really instilled in me the the work ethic. There's no doubt about that. You know, we had to do our part. <laughs> hey, so did that include community involvement or did that come later? Um, it kind of came later, but, but you know, my dad particularly was in, involved in the community a good bit and he uh, worked a lot with Mardi Gras and um, the different organizations. And so he gave back. He was he was in the public schools. So anybody that's in the public school gives back because um, they're never probably compensated for what they do, but but they're compensated in other ways. So I did learn about uh, doing things for the community and we were very involved in our church community and, and I was brought up in the church and learned a lot of values from that, certainly. So you uh, you went to Ole Miss, and uh, you ultimately uh, got a degree in special ed. Is that did you go in thinking that's what you wanted to do, or was that something that came along a little bit later in your college, uh, you know, studies? No, I didn't go into it with that. I, I I thought I wanted to major in child development, but Ole Miss didn't have a degree in child development, so they stuck me in the special ed classes, and um, and I found out that I loved it, and I had a I had a little bit of a gift for it. I enjoyed it. Um, I like to be around my students and my, um, you know, the folks that I taught. And I just really got a joy out of it. And I, I, I found out that that really was a calling that I had. And um, so that was, and you know, sometimes God just puts you where you need to be. Yeah. So, okay. So, you came out of Ole Miss. Did you immediately get into special education? I did. I taught at what they call the North Mississippi Regional Center now. And I taught there for a few years. Al was in law school. Al's my husband. He was in law school. So I taught there for a few years. And then I moved to Ocean Springs. And I taught in Ocean Springs for a little bit of time before I had children. I taught about, taught about six years. Wow, six years. 
Okay, so did getting involved was it a was it a byproduct of your post injury situation or was it something you were doing prior to Hurricane Katrina? It, it was before Hurricane Katrina. When I when I quit teaching and I started staying home, I thought you know I I had time to give back and I thought well then I should give back because I do have some time and I do have you know and I didn't start out to be like you know really involved. I just wanted to do some things. Um, so I got involved in some local um, things, the Duchess Club, the Junior Auxiliary, started doing a little po uh, political work, and it just kind of grew from there. But I, I didn't start out for it to be a big deal. I just started out for it to, you know, just to get back. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. It, but you know what? It's, it's you know, independent of independent of your of Katrina and your accident that's true with most young people that they they give back to the community as John Harrison says I, I love the quote that he says that that young people learn to flex muscles by getting into the trenches as a volunteer or inside some organization and sort of learn from the ground up eventually they'll be chairman of these different organizations but they just kind of work their way up they don't know at the time when they get involved in these that it will sort of light a fire and years of involvement in the community because you get inspired. What happens is you get involved, you get inspired by others, you're learning from them. There's a great connection that create this created, not just a connection, but friendships and and collaborations that uh, I'm sure you look back on it. People that you're working with even today in the community are people that you knew back in the day. It's true, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the best things I ever did, and um, and you know I say it's to give back. But man, I got a lot out of it too. I mean, I just really enjoyed being around people and meeting people. And I have um, friends from so many different walks of life now that I would have never, never known. So I, I kind of look at it as a little bit selfish because yeah. I really, um, I enjoy it, but it just has given me a lot too. It allows me to put my head on the pillow every night and think, wow, I did have a good day. It was a great day today. It's a, it, it's a, it's inspiring to, to be able to work with others who are equally committed. Um, the opportunity, you know, I often say about this show, it's just, it's really in, in a lot of ways it's like this show because you feel like you're hoping that you're making a contribution, but 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 frankly, because of the people you come in contact with, like this conversation I'm having with you today, you end up getting more from it than you're giving, and and that's what makes you, you know, that's what sort of creates a fire in you to want to keep giving back. But it's true, isn't it? It is, and um, you know, you're you're so right about young people, and I think uh, young people today, they really understand the importance of community in a different way than we did. Um, that they really do. And I, I'm not sure where that comes from. I would like to think that we as the older generation that we've taught them, but I don't know if that's true. I think they just innately just want to be part of the community and do something for others. And that's, that's a fabulous thing about our young people. I see it day after day after day in my children's friends, uh, the things they're doing for their communities that I probably never dreamed at about at that age. Yeah, I have I've seen it too. 
I see so many young people they're stepping up. Well, I, you know, so Todd Trenchard made the point the other day. I had the opportunity to visit with him, and he's made the point that in a lot of ways Katrina has sort of unleashed a lot of this. You know, because before Katrina, people were more in silos. After Katrina, the silos were obliterated, and we had to work together to rebuild this community. And the the reverberation of that, the, of the leaders that were, the, the thousands of people that were amassed around our recovery effort and how that influenced younger people along the way. And then, frankly, now those younger people are influencing the next generation. It's, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of bad that comes from something like Hurricane Katrina. The fact is we can't do anything about the fact that it hit us. But what we can do in the aftermath of a storm like that is find the good in it. And the character that was revealed by the storm, what we learned about each other, what we learned about when all social, economic, and political stuff's out, you know, obliterated, how we, how we work together and how we love each other and love our neighbors and worry about our families. And we all, that's, it's a common trait. And uh, I think, you know, I think that made us a better community. It, made, it, it, helped, it helped illuminate what I often refer to, you know, President Bush's thousand points of light. It actually helped illuminate that in ways that a lot of communities don't get a chance to see. And here we are 17 years later, and it still, you know, is inspiring people. And uh, it's so true, though, isn't it? Yeah. The, the storm, things like the storm, you know, that we can't do anything about. They're kind of the great equalizer. You know, they, they uh, put us all on the same level for a little while, and we're able to uh, sympathize and empathize with other people in a way that we never would be able to otherwise. And um, so that's just, you know, that, that's, we, we, it's amazing what we've learned from that. And you're right. That may very well be why some of our young people are so more willing to give back to the community than we ever dreamed. I, I often referred after the storm as Katrina being an equal opportunity destroyer, <laughs> an equal opportunity destroyer. I have a friend of mine who's a doctor who lives around the, the corner from me, lives on the water. He didn't have flood insurance. He, uh, you know, his, his business was also f flooded. And, um, he, you know, he, he didn't have adequate insurance and he, he, he literally lived off bologna sandwiches for uh, quite a while. I mean, he's recovered now, thank God, but he started from scratch again. Hey, listen, when we come back, we're going to continue our, our conversation with Jeannie Lucky. And we'll start the next segment with talking a little bit more about how her accident, you know, ultimately changed her and how it built inside her a drive to want to live and to want to give back. We'll see you after this. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Jeannie Lucky with us today, and it's just an inspiring conversation. Again, she's worked in the community in so many different ways and held leadership roles in so many different ways. And, uh, you know, you look back on her, her past, which I mentioned a little bit of that, but obviously the Republican Party, but YMCA, she was recognized uh, greatly, actually, in her YMCA involvement, Salvation Army, College Board. The list goes on and on. That's what we know about. There's no, there's no telling how many people she's inspired and the work she's done because of the way she leads with her disability is to, is to define perseverance and, and define the odds. And it's an important story for people to understand. Jeannie, when you look back and think about how, of course, Katrina hits, three days later you have your accident. Do, are you able to remember the days after all of this happened and kind of where you were in, in your thinking about all that, or is it, is it a blur to you? Well, I, I knew pretty quick after, after my accident that I probably, was, uh, probably had done some irreversible damage uh, to my spine. And um, I mean, I, I actually knew before I ever got out of the car uh, yeah. that, I, that I probably would never walk again. And um, so, you know, I guess I knew it and I kind of came to terms with it pretty quick. I just began to think, well, what, you know, how am I going to do this? How, you know, what's it going to be like? Am I going to be able to, to live? Am I going to be able to take care of my children, my family? You know, and I, uh, that was the first part of the processing was just kind of figuring out how was it going to be, you know, how I was going to do it. And, you know, I, and then I was in and out of it for a few days in the hospital I was in the hospital for about three weeks before I went to uh, the spinal care injury uh, specialty hospital in Atlanta, Shepherds. And, you know, and then there I just began to figure out what it was going to, you know, what I was going to do. How was it going to live? You know, was it going to be good? Was it going to be bad? I could do it either way. You know, I, it's my choice. I could make it bad or I could make it good. And I think I decided pretty on, pretty early on. I was just going to have to make it good because that's all. I, that's what I had, you know. And that's where what did I was that come from? Where did that come from? That that it was already embedded deep in you, or how do you look back at it and describe that 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 commitment to persevere? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I'm thankful that my family gave me a, a, a good faith, a strong faith. But I wouldn't say that that was everything. Um, because, you know, when that happens, it kind of shakes your, you know, your foundation, you know, what, what's this about? Why am I here? What, you know, what, why did this happen to me? Of course, you always want to know that. Um, but a lot of those answers, you're just never going to get. And so you just have to, um, go, well, it's what I have. It's, it's, I hate to say this, it sounds so, um, just flippant, but, it's the cards I was dealt. I had, to, I had to deal with them. So, and then I began to also look at other things. I realized we all have disabilities. Yes, mine's a lot more, you know, probably more profound. But, you know, people have glasses. Um, people can't hear. You know, we all have a little disability. Mine just happens to be more evident than a lot of people's. You know, I when I think about... When I think about um, my time at Goodwill Industries, 
involved for more than 10 years and chairman of the board along the way, learned a lot about how the forms of disability. And because of that experience and what I learned during those times, when I read quotes that have something to do with this, it says something like this. It says, you never know what someone's going through. When you look at someone, you never know what they're going through. Some, sometimes it's obvious because you can see, in your case, you can see a wheelchair. Sometimes it's not obvious, and it's and it can be devastating, but it's not obvious. Sometimes it could be relational. It could be something going on at work. It could be people fighting depression. You know, every you're right, Jeannie. Everybody has something, and I think too often, one of the things that I that I have come to understand about life is that we're busy, busy, busy. We're running through life so fast. We take we look at someone and we're too quick to judge them without really truly understanding what's really going on. And and you're right. I think everybody has something. And that's a powerful way to say it, actually. Um, in some ways, you actually you, you, you're better off than, than lots of people that you might come in contact with. I know you don't look at it that way, but it's uh, but when you have your sound mind and you have a great spirit, it helps you be much more empathetic to everyone, doesn't it? It does. And after, like I often say, if everybody put their problems in a box, they'd probably choose their own back, you know, if you, you know, because it, you know, I, I look at my, you know, my disability and it's, it's really kind of a small thing. I mean, yeah, I can't walk and I need a wheelchair and I forget about it a lot of times. The worst time is when I go to get in the car and the van doesn't crank. Then I go, well, you know, darn, I'm in a wheelchair. I can't walk. You know, this is going to present a little challenge today. But most days, I don't really think about it much anymore. Um, I did it first, but, you know, I really don't think much about it anymore. So when you, so you know, we'll, we'll shift gears. It's amazing that you bring that point of view. But for someone who's overcome or defied the odds the way that you have, it seems to me that it would be someone with a spirit like you're describing, you know, where let's only go forward, you know, let's not, let's focus on, you know, what, what you can do. And you decided pretty quickly that you're going to immerse yourself in activities that enable you to give back. And, you know, you take talk about the time when you were younger before Katrina and the work that you did and what you were learning about that. But boy, it, started, it laid a foundation for what was going to happen after, after you had your, your accident to say, look, okay, I am where I am. Now I'm going to give everything I've got. And you decided that you were just going to stay busy and, and focus. And you did, didn't you? I, I did. I just, um, you know, I, I've been home probably a week or two and I had a, um, Republican women's meeting that I needed to go to, and I wasn't going to go. And uh, the my assistant came in and she said, "Oh no, you're going to go. Get up." And she said, "If if you're not going to get up and go, then then I'm not going to help you." She said because I didn't. She moved from Atlanta to help me, and she said, "If if you and, and anybody that knows me knows her because she's always with me." And they said, "You know," but she said, "If you're not going to get up, I'm going to go back to Atlanta." She said, because I didn't come down here to watch you lay in bed and die. And, uh, and, and I, you know, but that's the kind of thing you need. And yeah. because you might have the spirit, but you need somebody else's spirit too. You need somebody she, else. She, she, she's been with you 17 years, you said? She, she has 17 years. Yes. And, yeah. and what's her name? 
Her name's Chandra. And tell I've only fired her. her once and she's only quit once. <laughs> tell me tell me about her. Um, she is just um she, you know, she I've always laughed. She's my legs, but most days she's also my brains because she helps remind me what's going on. Um, she was young when she first came. She was only um, I'm not even sure. Let's see, she must have been about 35 when she came, which seems so young to me. Uh, but she had been trained at Shepherds, and I, uh, I said, "Will you come home with me just a little while and help me kind of get things together, and you know, maybe help train somebody else to help me and that kind of thing." And she said, "Yeah." And she said, "Yeah, but I'll just take a little leave of absence, and I'll move down and help you." And she's still on leave of absence, by the way. Seventeen years later, she just <laughs> she never she never went back. But she's Is great. She's it's, great. It's, ins it's inspiring to hear her and the way she t she talked to you about urging you to go to that Republican women's meeting. But she's a star in this story, isn't she? She is. She really is. And and she's absolutely my best friend. I mean, she you know, my daughter told me one day she said, you, you need a counselor. You know how children are. I said, I don't need a counselor. I have one. I have Chandra. <laughs> <laughs> I, I but love no, that story. she really is. She, uh, she, and and you know, she, she loves me. I mean, she would never let anything happen to me, which is the greatest thing, you know, because you have, you know, you can have medical issues and stuff, but she, she makes sure that I'm healthy, and I, you know, she makes me do what I'm supposed to do, which you know I don't always like to do, but um, she, you know, yeah. she just, you know, she takes good. good great care of me and and is a great but not only that she just is a good person to have around and my kids love her my family loves her she is family so you it's not just a community but you've been able to stay involved in family business and make contributions in that way when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about what she does in her day job when she's not focused on you know the community and uh and then we'll have a great final segment together we'll see you with Jeannie lucky after this break Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We're visiting with my friend Jeannie Lucky, who is a real inspiration and been incredibly involved. I mean, we could go into her involvement in the Republican Party, which is extensive. It would look, We could literally take a show talking about her involvement with the Republican Party. But I'm going to resist the urge to go there since we only have six minutes and 50 seconds in this final segment. Just suffice it to say that she's a conservative who is actively involved in helping build a, a stronger Republican Party. 
Uh, what I'd like to do now, Jeannie, is just shift the gears a bit because you've been involved in a lot of community organizations, but the one that that really uh, is one I would like to talk a little bit more about is the State College Board. Uh, that has got to have been a tremendous feeling to be involved in an organization that has so much impact for the future, really the future of this state. How, how do you look at your involvement in the College Board? Wow. Um, the College Board, for one thing, I, I was so honored when Governor Bryant called and asked me if I would consider serving. And I, and I thought, wow, that, that's just an honor because that makes an, such an impact on so many lives for a long, long time, for decades to come, um, young people, well, not only young people, people that choose to go back to college, people that have had uh, maybe uh, part degrees, maybe they went for a year or two and they didn't finish. And, you know, just giving them the opportunity any way you can to give them a good education here in Mississippi and hopefully stay to get them to stay in Mississippi and develop a love for it so that they um, will want to be part of our community and part of our state. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, it manifests itself in so many different ways. Um, you could talk about Ole Miss as it relates to the law school where my son went and medical school and all the other great educations in Mississippi State. You could think about engineering. Uh, in fact, when I have uh, so many people from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks on my outdoor show, most of them went through Mississippi State, and they're so capable, and they're so good at what they do, and they're literally transforming the outdoors enjoyment in this state in a way that will that will be there for our kids and our kids' kids to be able to see. You think about you think about the work of Southern Miss. In so many different dimensions, um, the blue economy obviously is a huge opportunity for coastal Mississippi. It's great to see them being connected in that way. Hey, you know what it blows my mind is when I spend time with Mary Graham, and I know that the the junior uh, the community college system doesn't fall under the college board, but when I spend time with her and learn that because of their strategic efforts, more than 50% of their students today are involved in non-traditional education. They're, you know, workforce training. So, you know, they have sophisticated diesel mechanic uh, jobs that after two years of training, you could come out making $90,000 a year. But it's amazing to see where education is going. You, the traditional side of education and then the opportunity for business and industry in the state to connect to these universities so that they can have the, the right and best trained employees coming out of, the, out of college. You hear that all the time, don't you? I, we do. And, you know, and that's a real issue um, when people decide to go to college. What, you know, what am I going to be able to do when I get out? And that's something we try to look at, too. Um, you know, different universities come to us. They have different ideas for degree programs. And we look at, you know, is there going to be a job market for this? Is When somebody gets this degree, will they be able to make a living? Will they be able to make a living in Mississippi? And those are um, important issues when you start um, looking at what our universities do. And not only, you know, people think, well, all we do is set tuition. And, and that's just such a small, a small part of what we do. And our universities in Mississippi are a great deal. If you look at our universities in other states, um, we're, we're just really a great financial investment. Yeah, I often talk about the education I got 
at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College in that Southern Miss. I was in pre-med for a while at one point, but then changed my degree to to business. When I was in the corporate world, you know, leading strategic planning for Knight Ritter, the company that owned the Sun-Herald, and and moving up with my career, I I found out kind of early in my career that I could hang. That's the way I talk about it. You know, when I'm in a room with Harvard and Yale graduates and felt like I had as good a, a foundation for having conversations, for being part of the debate and discussion as anyone, I got a great education here. And I know a lot of people feel the same way as well. You know, what's interesting is you have to be more focused on making sure the education is going to be worthwhile, where they're going to be able to leave and have great careers. But also, as we focus more on all these student loans and where they're coming from and whether you know, all the money that's got to be paid back and whatever, there's more pressure today on the college board to make sure that you do that, that you're really focusing on giving people the best opportunity to succeed in their lives. And you feel the pressure of that, don't you? I do. But, you know, I, I'm just so proud of all of our universities. Um, it, being on the college board has made me develop a great love for our university system and what it gives to our um, our our people in our community, our citizens. Uh, we have eight great universities and you can do just about anything at our universities. Any, you know, anything that you could dream. You could go to a university in Mississippi, a university in Mississippi. Now I do like the University of Mississippi, but a university in Mississippi and learn to do it and um, and come out like you said, more than more than equipped to do what you need to do. Well, Jeannie Lucky, <clears throat> I wish we had another hour. <laughs> There's so much that we could explore, but. But we did what I wanted to do. I wanted to tell your story and talk about you as a, an example of defying the odds and persevering and, com- and, and committing to giving back to the community. And we did that. God bless you, my friend. Thanks for spending some God time with today. God bless you, too, Ricky. Thank you for having me on. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure. This has been Jeannie Lucky. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.